Good morning, everyone. My name is JB with Not By Works Ministries. It is Wednesday, May the 10th, and time for another World Events update with uh, my good friend Randy and your good friend, too. Everybody loves Randy. He is uh, he is just a blessing to so many people. Look forward to bringing him on here in just a moment. A few quick uh, updates uh, as we uh, kind of come to the midpoint of the week this week. We've already had a couple of great podcasts on Monday. I was privileged to be on Stand Up for the Truth with David Fiorazzo, and we talked about the Luciferian timeline. Uh, I had, I deal with that in uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, but we had not talked about it in a while, and David wanted to kind of uh, dig deep into that subject and talk about how the powers that be are really lining up, are ready for the kind of the finish line of their plan to usher in a one-world system. So we talked about uh, kind of their timeline, Agenda 2030, Agenda 21, and and some of the things that are happening all around us that indicate uh, they are licking their chops to uh, usher in the one-world system. So that's Monday. You can check that out uh, at notbyworks.org on the podcast page or wherever you listen to uh, podcasts. Yesterday, we had a fantastic a prophecy night. I woke up this morning and noticed already it's uh, kind of uh, skyrocketing in terms of listens. We talked about UFOs and UAPs, and uh, if you have not watched that video, I encourage you to check that out uh, either on our Rumble channel, Not By Works Ministries, or of course you can always access all of our content uh, most easily at notbyworks.org. Just click on the videos tab. Uh, but uh, it's good to watch the video in this case because I played several clips, including a, a clip from 60 Minutes that sort of summarizes uh, recent events in the world of ufology and what all is going on. But of course, as always, we tried to interpret all of that through the lens of Scripture. What are UFOs and what in the world's going on with all of this uh, activity in the sky that is being reported by our military? We've set up an entire task force that issues reports to Congress and the Senate. What is all that about? So check that out. Uh, if you need to, you can listen to the podcast audio only version of that, which is also posted on our podcast uh, channel. Uh, but today we're going to kind of check in with Randy and see uh, what all is going on in the in the news, uh, any key events, things that might catch our attention in terms of Bible prophecy. But as always, I want to turn our attention to the Word of God first and I've been, uh, you know, reading a proverb a day for most of my life, honestly. I learned to use that technique as a young a boy when I attended a summer camp at Word of Life uh, in Scroon Lake. And uh, off and on through the years, I've always tried to read uh, the proverb for the day. You know, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Most months have, you know, 30 or 31 days. And so I, uh, whatever day of the month it is, that's the chapter of Proverbs that I read. So today, uh, I got up and read Proverbs chapter 10, and I thought I would uh, just kind of uh, mention a couple of uh, things about Proverbs, uh, because we don't always take the time to contextualize and explain sort of the historical setting. But Proverbs is a book of the Bible, of course, written in Hebrew about a thousand years before Christ, that contains 900 or so short, pithy sayings about wisdom. It's uh, composed of many authors. Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, but Hezekiah's men also copied uh, you know, some of them and added them later to the collection. Uh, Agur and King Lemuel are mentioned as authors of the Proverbs that are contained in the last two chapters of Proverbs. But uh, just little pithy sayings. Uh, you know, someone has said a proverb is a short sentence based on long experience, or a proverb is a truth tested by time. Uh, a good friend and colleague of mine 
uh, likes to put it this way. He said, a proverb is a swift arrow that gets a point across. I like that. Um, someone else said, uh, uh, to read straight through a few chapters of Proverbs is like trying to have a conversation with someone who always replies with a one-liner. And uh, if you've read much of Proverbs, you can relate to that as well. But Proverbs is uh, just a fascinating book because it kind of gives us some timeless truths that uh, can be applied again and again. Typically, every day we'll come up against circumstances and conversations and situations that call to mind a, a particular uh, proverb. You know, the right perspective in life is critical for making right choices, and uh, Proverbs is universal in that regard. It has no reference to Israel's history or Israel's covenants or laws or sacrifices like most of the New Testament does. They're just timeless truths that help us navigate successfully through life. And if there's ever a time when we need clear direction, uh, it's a it's it's a time like this, as we're going to find out in a moment. Things have not slowed down. Uh, there are always crazy things happening. You know, I couldn't help but think as I was talking about UFOs last night at Prophecy Night that uh, I'm getting reports uh, for you know every day from people uh, across the country, really, of unique and bizarre things happening where they're just little anecdotes. And you know, if it were one or two, I would just sort of write it off as just the normal normal oddities of life. But boy, it seems like this there's an increase in this type of weird activity. And and just one little anecdote that occurred to me today. I got another note today from our neighborhood. Uh, uh, one of those apps, uh, Nextdoor, I think is what it's called, uh, where people in the in your area can post things. And for the third time in just two days, we've had people mentioning that their horses, uh, we live out in the country, uh, that their horses have escaped overnight. In fact, uh, just uh, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, uh, the first time this kind of crossed our attention here in the last uh, couple of days was two horses showed up in our front uh, part of our property, right in front of our house. And fortunately, one of my daughters is an expert in dealing with horses, worked for a horse ranch for many years. And so she was able to go out and wrangle them and, and get them uh, lassoed. And, and then we put posted some things online. And eventually, after a couple hours, the owners responded and, and came and got them. But that's happened three times now uh, in, in our area. And I just kind of wonder what's spooking these horses? Is something happening overnight uh, to create this uh, statistical anomaly. You know, we've been here for a while. We've never had this kind of thing happen all the time, but it seems like it's happening a lot. So there's a lot going on both in the seen and unseen realm. And I think these Proverbs that I want to highlight from chapter 10 of Proverbs today uh, really, um, you know, uh, address some of that. Um, Proverbs, again, these are not, it's, it's not a, a narrative or a paragraph that kind of makes a point or starts with, with a certain theological premise and then sets out to prove that premise. Each one of these is just sort of rapid fire different uh, principles. If you uh, think of a, a, a French cuisine metaphor, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here someone that I heard say this a long time ago, but uh, the offerings in Proverbs, especially once you get to chapter 10, and following, which chapter 10 that we're looking at this morning kind of begins a new section here. But the uh, the offerings uh, from Proverbs are not a uh, table d'hote, which is a French word for a meal offered at a fixed price with, with uh, a few choices, if any. But it's more like a la carte, a French word meaning a meal offered with separate items one at a time. 
the Proverbs are brief, detached snacks of wisdom. Uh, or you might even say, to continue the metaphor, they're more like a buffet of hors d'oeuvres, a French cuisine term meaning small appetizing dishes. But, um, you know, Proverbs is, uh, you know, just one rapid fire principle after another that inevitably, if you read Proverbs long enough, they they fill your heart and fill your mind and they pop to the surface when you're facing unique situations and you think, oh yeah, Proverbs says this, or I remember something that relates to this in Proverbs. Um, but, uh, you know, Proverbs is just an amazing book. So just a few that I highlighted here from chapter 10 of Proverbs, and they all seem to relate, maybe because it's been on my mind lately, to just the big picture perspective of God's plan of the ages and how the Luciferian globalists are trying to compete with God and defeat God and usher in their plan uh, for uh, the end of days, the the new world order. Um, But we see, for example, in verse 3 of chapter 10, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. This is a a contrasting parallelism where the second line contrasts with the first line. And I I love that reminder there. He casts away the desire of the wicked. And we want the Luciferians that are pulling the strings, if they're listening, we want them to know that their desire will not ultimately be realized. Any successes they may have along the way will be short-lived. Verse 7 says, the memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. (laughs) I love that, and I love reminding Satan and his cronies that their names will rot. They are wicked. They will not have a lasting uh, positive testimony. Verse 9 says, He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. And we're putting the Luciferians on record that we know what they're doing. We see right through their evil plan. Many, many, many people may be deceived, but we're not. We understand the truth of Scripture. We're shedding the light on what they're planning and trying to do, and uh, we won't be fooled. Um, They will become uh, known. And then verse 20 says, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The heart of the wicked is worth little. You know, they may have amassed massive amounts of wealth, especially at the upper tiers of the Luciferian conspiracy. They're the ones that, you know, that print the money. They don't even think in terms of how much money do I have. They have all they could ever want. They just print more if they need it. So they may have all kinds of material wealth and power, but their heart, which is what really matters, is worth very little. Because, of course, the heart of man is desperately wicked, sold under sin, and apart from faith alone in Christ alone, nobody uh, can be saved, uh, and they will die with a wicked heart and spend eternity in a literal place of torment called hell. But anyone who in simple childlike faith trusts in Jesus Christ and Him alone, the one who paid their personal sin debt at Calvary uh, and rose again, if you trust in Him, you can have a heart transplant essentially, and the blood of Christ covers you from all sin, and you become positionally righteous before a holy God adopted into the family of God. But the heart of the wicked is worth little. Toward the end of this chapter, we have just several that apply, I think, to this current situation as the stage is being set for the end times. Verse 23 says, "'To do evil is like sport to a fool.'" And boy, isn't that the truth? We see these guys like Klaus Schwab, Yuval Noah Harari, uh, the late David Rockefeller, and some of the other you know globalist elites. 
to them, this is all just a game. They sit back in their dark smoke-filled rooms with cigars, laughing as they preside over satanic rituals and uh, abuse and uh, those types of things. It's like a sport to them. But a man of understanding has wisdom. And that's what we're trying to do, is to look at all of these uh, happenings through the lens of Scripture from the perspective of wisdom. Verse 24, the fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. See, the wicked, in the back of their minds, they're constantly thinking, because they've read the Bible, the, the Satanists, the Luciferians, could God be right? Maybe I'm wrong. What if I'm wrong and we really do lose the battle? What if I'm wrong and God really does get the victory? Well, that fear that's always nagging beneath the surface of their brain will come upon them someday. Whereas for us, the righteous, our desire, which is to see justice served, to see the evil punished and get what's coming to them, and to see kingdom, the kingdom of peace, righteousness, and justice ushered in on earth, that desire will be granted. Verse 25 says, when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more. And Christ is going to come back like a whirlwind with a sword proceeding out of his mouth. And at first, at the Battle of Armageddon, he's going to judge the beast and the false prophet, the Antichrist and his uh, sidekick. And then he's going to reign and rule for a thousand years over a kingdom of peace and righteousness. And then at the end of the millennium, that whirlwind will uh, re-ensue as uh, all the wicked of all time are faced with the great white throne judgment and cast into the eternal lake of fire. But the righteous, by contrast, verse 25 says, has an everlasting foundation. We don't have to worry about a whirlwind destroying what we have through faith in Christ. And then verse 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. They will get what's coming to them. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, verse 28, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. That is their expectation from their own perspective what they think is going to happen, their plans. As David tells us in Psalm 2, God is up there laughing at their plans to throw off his cords and his bindings of control because God has already established the future. He's already established his plan, and the King of Kings will take the throne. Verse 29 says, the way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. Verse 30. Someday, when Christ comes back, the kingdom is going to kick off with only the righteous on the earth. Jesus will say, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. And those believers who have survived the tribulation, uh, those that get saved after the rapture uh, and are not martyred or beheaded, and they are still alive at the coming of Christ, the second coming at the end of the tribulation. They will be the ones that inhabit the kingdom in their physical bodies and will populate the kingdom. The rest of the redeemed from all ages, the church, the Old Testament saints like Abraham, Isaac, David, uh, Moses, so forth, Jacob, they will be in their glorified bodies. We all will. And together with those who are in their physical bodies that survive the tribulation, we will inhabit the kingdom. But at the start of it, it'll only be the righteous, only believers, no unbelievers because the wicked will not inhabit the earth. And that is certainly true at the end of the millennium uh, as well after the final judgment. And then finally, one more, verse 31, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. And I love how many references we read just in this one chapter, chapter 10 of Proverbs, about the destruction of the wicked and the metaphorical ways that it's 
uh, talking about it, like the fact that their tongues will be uh, cut out, that they they will rot, verse 7, and so forth. So I just want to give you that as an encouragement. God knows what He's doing. Uh, these are dark times, to be sure, but they are exciting times because we know that it's all leading up to the return of Christ. I was having a text dialogue yesterday with someone about how these uh, signs of the times are all encouraging because they indicate, even though we can't predict the date of the rapture, nor should we try, they indicate that we are getting closer and closer. The stage is very much being set. So, Randy, uh, we've got some more stage setting to talk about today, I assume. By the way, uh, you guys can't see this, but I'm looking at Randy. We uh, we record these by Zoom, and his uh, new uh, co-author of his uh, World Events Update, uh, little Grayson, is with him. Grayson is his new puppy, most adorable thing in the world. You know, when you hold Grayson, it makes you look a lot better, Randy, let me tell you that. So, uh Welcome back to the program, and uh, what do we got going on in this crazy mixed-up world? Well, let's see. After a comment like that, where should we start? <laughs> okay, let's let's start with a positive point, because that's always nice, and in this world, we get very few of those. So, months ago, we discussed getting emergency antibiotics if you needed them, because we know shortages are coming. Now, one of the companies that you can do business with is called Jace. J-A-S-E, medical. I got an email from them the other day that they now have your daily medications also. They have 800 different medications they can provide you a, up to a year's prescription with. And I was a little bit hesitant when I went online and looked at it. Now, if you're looking for controlled substances, substances like warfarin that have to be monitored by your doctor all the time, not something they have. Your... Um, blood pressure medications, all of those kind of things, they have them. And there are 800 of them. So I went in and I put in my order. The price for a year's supply of all of these medications equaled or was a little less than what I pay in copays for one month. So, I mean, it's not like there's some exorbitant price or anything. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. So, you know, ever something that would cost me $1,200, $1,400 a year was $110. So I would say jacemedical.com, check it out. I'm um, not trying to do business for them, but if you get a year's supply, that takes care of any interruptions we would get with India, with China, with anybody, because of the things that are going on in the Taiwan Straits and the South China Sea. So try it. If you have questions, they'll answer that. Everything that you request is reviewed by a doctor and you will get a note from him if he has any questions. I um, got mine back, he had no questions and the shipment's on the way. So that's a good thing. Um, I was pleasantly surprised to see that. So everybody knows that. And if you need antibiotics, they still have those. So use them if you can. Now, let's start off with the good news that everybody tunes in for. You have 52 days until CBDC is here. Uncle Sam is coming. Now, you should be sometime in the next two months be getting your FedNow number and a nice letter. Now, you'll see a broadcast, but I'm sure they're sending everything to us by hard copy because they're going to make sure you want that. Now, I don't think you're going to get your ESG card yet. 
And I don't think they have the digital ID cards ready either. But I was noticing on some of the driver licenses in other states, um, they had a little note on them that this will not be legal after a certain date. So I think they're going to be imprinting things on there for you also. So all kinds of good surprises coming by the 1st of July or right around there. So um, we're all going to get to look at this together because I don't know if they're going to give us any more information or not. I checked with my banker. He doesn't know any more than he did a month ago. So I got a feeling they're going to drop it. It's going to be, here we go. I think it's going to be very unassuming, very uh, kind, generous, and loving to begin with. But what they're going to do with it afterwards, I think we've all got a good idea that this is not something we want to partake in. For those of you that are on government payments, whether it be welfare, unemployment, um, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, they're going to make it difficult for us. We already know that because they do direct deposit and they're going to, I don't know what they're going to say, what they're going to do, but I don't know if they're going to entice us or just tell us, hey, if you want your payment, you do this. But we'll know in 52 yeah. days. Yeah, let me let me uh, provide my input on this. Uh, obviously, Randy and I are just simply trying our best to make sense of all of this data that's that's coming down, and we don't have any inside scoop per se. I mean, we do have some inside sources on certain topics and things that that even those, you know, you have to you know run through the grid of scripture and make sure because you never know what you're hearing. But my, I've studied the CBDC, and, and I think those of you who follow our ministry know I've talked about it in various conferences, done whole messages on it at different events like Turning Point uh, Regional Group and uh, some other things. Uh, I While I, I understand that FedNow is going to be rolled out this summer, I still think it's going to be a while before they get to the point where they're mandating every American citizen sign on or you can't pay your mortgage or you can't receive your Social Security check. I think that's coming if the Lord tarries is coming and coming fast. But I don't think when we when we look at the rollout of Fed now, which is really the infrastructure behind the CBDC, remember CBDC, central bank digital currencies, are not identical to Fed now. There's a corollary there. The Fed now is the infrastructure that's necessary to make the digital currency run smoothly. It's kind of like the train tracks for the CBDCs. Uh, I just don't see them uh, getting us to the point where that's forced, uh, you know, as quickly as we may think. I think it's going to be similar to the way they rolled out the the death jab, the uh, the gene editing uh, bio injections. They're going to use the carrot for quite a while. They're going to entice people to try to get the low-hanging fruit. Uh, eventually, again, if the Lord doesn't come back, I do think we're looking at a more coercive means of getting people to sign on. Uh, but uh, I think, as Randy said, now's the time to kind of get your ducks in a row. As I've said previously, now's the time to steal yourself and make sure you know what you're going to do and make the decision, am I going to agree to the digital ID, which the digital ID is, is something different even still from the Fed now and the CBDC. The digital ID is going to be your number that is used not only for the digital monetary transactional system, but it's going to also be used for you to travel. It's like the, the global ID card. And, you know, the U.S. has already rolled out the national ID cards. Uh, every driver's license is no longer a driver's license. That's the most mislabeled uh, item in our normal everyday life. It's not a driver's license. It's a national ID card. They required all states to sign on to it by a certain date. And so now 
you need that not just to dry, but you need it to do just about anything. Well, that was the precursor to the global digital ID. So I think they're going to roll that out. You have to decide now whether or not you're going to take it. Um, but I think, Randy, in, in my opinion, we're still quite a ways away from them, you know, locking down your bank account uh, or forcing you, you know, to take your paycheck by, uh, you know, digital payment uh, through the CBDC. I just think I, I see the Fed now is phase one. CBDC will be rolled out next. CBDC is not the same thing as Fed now. And then even when it's rolled out, I think it'll be more of a carrot than a stick thing for a while. Am I wrong? No, I think it's going to be a carrot or stick thing for a while. But what I worry about most is the ones that receive the government payments. Like I said, the Medicare, that kind of stuff. They're going to have a hammer over us that they don't have over everybody else. Ours is already direct deposit. I'm sure when Fed now comes out, they're going to give you all the sign up stuff and say, this is what you need to do. Um, if you're privately employed, you have a your um, own business, whatever, I think it's going to be a longer time, definitely. But what worries me the most is FedNow is the conduit that leads to the CBDC. But I read through all of the, th all of the um, publications they have available. FedNow and CBDC is based on us being the reserved currency in the world. Now, let's face it. We've got some problems there with our massive debt. The BRICS nations are basically meeting in June. Now, they've added additional countries on there. Remember, they uh, they control a large amount of money, a large amount of gold, gold, and a large, very large amount of the population. So if for some reason they would accelerate their movement to a currency under BRICS or something altogether different, uh, that could have definite impact on FedNow and CBDC. As we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the um, World Bank and IMF have said, hey, we want to help all of you. We want to be the clearinghouse. And basically, they've already got their coins. They've got everything set up. All you need to do is you go ahead, you send in whatever you need to, like they do right now, and they will do all of the uh, necessary uh, computations as to what that currency is worth in the currency it's sold and received. And so they're trying to make it really easy. So obviously, we're not going to have a complete uh, dependence on this until the time of the Antichrist. He's going to use it as a weapon, but it's starting now. It's going. And I want everybody to understand that once you join Fed now, you're not getting out of you will be there forever. Yeah, and so. and for, for those listeners who may be new to the program or maybe uh, haven't been familiar with the term the BRICS nations, which is what Randy's talking about here, that are talking about uh, abandoning the U.S. as the world's reserve currency, uh, that's uh, an acronym for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, B-R-I-C-S. And of course, there are other nations that are sort of following in their footsteps as well. But that's the real power center, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And uh, and I think it's a concern. So, you know, we are ahead of the game. You know, many people, especially in the Bible prophecy world, have been uh, warning about 
the uh, digital currency for a long time. Uh, a lot of experts, a lot of people, a lot smarter than than me, have been sounding the alarm since way before I sort of chimed in on the whole digital currency issue. Um, so now's the time to think through it. Now's the time to get your ducks in a row. The best way to uh, prevent a cat- some type of catastrophic uh, effect on you and your personal finances if if the Lord tarries is coming. Again, we're, we have to prepare. We can't just count on the Lord to come back today. We He could, and that would be wonderful. He can come back at any moment. That's the imminency of the rapture. But uh, he also tells us to be prepared, Proverbs 22, 3. The best way to do that is to get your uh, resources out of intangible, uh, you know, digital type assets that can be easily manipulated and and locked down with the click of a few keystrokes. And so that way you have control of them. They're not going to be sending around armored vehicles, busting down people's doors and rummaging through your house to grab hold of your tangible assets. Not anytime soon anyway. So, so take precautions now before it's too late. We have, I, I really appreciate everybody when you send your questions that we can look at, answer for you, because there seem to be some of the questions that are repeated many times. And one of the questions that we received, do we think that the federal government is going to confiscate gold as they did before? Now, in my opinion, sooner or later, that'll happen. I don't think it's going to be right away. I think we're going to be able to use cash for a while. At least when you read the Fed now, they have made some type of um, uh, stipulation in there that they're going to still accept that. You're going to be able to use it like we normally do. But understand, if there's no cooperation like Nigeria had, then basically what they're going to do is say, okay, your currency is no longer valid. You need to come into the bank. We have currency here for you. It expires. It will have an expiration date on it. And they're going to manipulate it where they want it sooner or later. But is it right away? Unless something happens with the debt ceiling or something like that, I think it's a ways off. What do you think, Pastor? Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're we're trying to say now's the time to get ready. The storm clouds are forming. They're off in the distance. Uh, you know, as we were driving home from Prophecy last night, Wendy and I saw off in the distance uh, a massive lightning display. And it was one of those things that we we thought, well, I wonder if it's coming this way or where is it? And it ended up we didn't get any rain or thunderstorms. But that that's kind of what we're seeing. We're seeing, you know, flashes of light here. But uh, I think to put this in biblical perspective, the concern, obviously, is based on Revelation 13, which is speaking about uh, the future tribulation period. Uh, remember, the Bible plainly says the church uh, will be rescued before that great day of the Lord's wrath. The, the day of the Lord's wrath is the prophetic term to refer to Daniel's final seven-year period that he talks about in his 490-year plan. The entire book of Revelation, just about chapters 6 to 18 out of 22 chapters, deals with this seven-year period. And in the second half of that second-year period, for those left behind uh, at the rapture, uh, you know, they will be faced with a some type of mark of the beast, as it's called in Revelation 13, that will uh, control uh, you know, everyone. It says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so, as Randy just said, 
you know, these this, these digital currencies will have expiration dates. But not only that, they can turn them on and off for other reasons, control reasons. It's full spectrum planetary control. If they don't like something you posted on social media, if they don't like, uh, you know, how much you know, gasoline you used or how much natural gas you use to heat your home. If they don't like how many times you wash your clothes, remember that's what all these smart devices are about. Smart washers and dryers, smart refrigerators, smart phones, smart uh, meters, uh, you know, you name it. It's because they can control them. As I talk about in Spirit of the Antichrist, uh, I gave an example in Denver, how recently uh, a whole huge sector of Denver, their thermostats were shut off in the midst of winter because they thought you were using too much uh, heat. And they these customers had unwittingly agreed to that uh, type of scenario when they signed up for these types of smart meters. So uh, I think people need to understand that's why I'm so opposed to digital IDs is that it it gives them a direct line into controlling everything. So it's not just about convenience, whether you use cash or gold or silver or credit card or EFT transfers or the the new the forthcoming digital ID. That's you know part of it, but it's actually more importantly about the fact that they can control you. If I don't sign on to it and I want to go make a purchase from my neighbor and he agrees to take $20 in Federal Reserve notes or $20 in food or $20 in silver coins, he can do that. And no one is the wiser. But if I'm locked in to the digital ID system, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just handing them control of my life on a silver platter. Yes. Everybody should take note and everybody should keep track of the banking system and what is going on there every day. Um You'll get brief periods where the banks make a little bit of money, but we're losing banks every week. Every morning when I pull up Market Watch, all of the banks are in the red. Some of them a couple percent, some a minor, uh, maybe a tenth of a percent, but there are banks that are on, on the bubble. Now, they say that half of the banks are basically insolvent. Uh, I don't know for sure how they got that number, but that's what a lot of places are basically saying right now. So watch your money, make some decisions. Don't make rash decisions. And like JB and I say, we are not fortune tellers. We are not prophets. We are not financial advisors. So if you ask me a question, I will give you my best opinion. But it's my opinion. I don't run your business. I don't know what takes place in your business. So always do your due diligence to follow what we're talking about. Um we're, we're going to digress for just a couple of minutes before we go into AI and some of that to the Russia scene. Uh, everybody knows about the attack on the Kremlin uh, a week or 10 days ago. That was the most pathetic attack I've ever seen in my life. If that was actually an attack against Putin, uh, I consider it a false flag. I do not consider that an actual attack. I don't know who is responsible for those two little weenie missiles, but you're going to need something a lot bigger to get him, and everybody knows that. So let's look at what goes on in Russia and Ukraine right now. We have crossed every red line that Putin and his people have set. Nothing's happened. We look at the Ukraine. The Ukraine now wants China to help them, but we keep pumping money. They keep saying they're going to have their counterattack. Uh, they better start soon because... I think they've only got 40,000 troops left in their army. That's not going to go very far. But what I find really interesting 
I did a little bit of research on this, and BlackRock has made $7 trillion in the Ukraine from that war. They now control 30% of the structures and the economy of Ukraine. So if you want to know what the war is about, right there. It is a military-industrial complex. It is large companies. They're making a fortune. Now, hundreds of thousands of people have died. But this was never about a war getting back some land that we fought over for generations. This is about making money. This is about setting up the Gog-Magog war. And I'm more sure of that all the time because, as I've mentioned before, Trump and Putin, in one of their very first meetings, Putin said to Trump, do you think that we are the leaders that will bring forth Gog Magog? He was brought up in a Christian home. Uh, Putin knows the Bible well, and I don't know if he's trying to push himself into that type of a situation with Gog Magog, or if this is actually what's going to be happening, but Understand, the alliance is set. Everything is taking place. And when you have a million troops in theater around Ukraine, which Russia does, you have another 500,000 coming. You have to stop and think. All right, if you just wanted Ukraine the way they're beat down, it wouldn't take near that kind of manpower. So if it wouldn't take that kind of manpower, all of the ships, all of the aircraft, what is their final motive. I think when you look at Russia, Russia's economy is doing well now. Turkey is in the tank. Turkey basically has 30% unemployment. Their um, economy is going down. Um, Turkey is going to be part of this alliance. I think Turkey understands they need money from somewhere. They look to Israel. Israel has natural gas. They have food supply. They're, they're very rich in resources. So I think there's a lot of thinking going behind the scenes that they never discuss, but I truly believe that this is getting set for that war. Now, we might be wrong, but never before has an alliance like this been set up. Never before has the rest of the world been falling into place. So watch what happens in the Ukraine. Will Russia move all the way to Poland, then go down Moldova, Bulgaria, Hungary, to meet up with Turkey around Istanbul? Are they going to use the sea lanes? Are they going to the east? Um, right now, I think that's one of the most important things to watch because Israel this morning had 270 rockets launched against it so far when we got online today. Now, that's from Hezbollah, those are Iranian, etc. So we know the Israelis, Iranians, sooner or later, they're going to get into it. We know that Erdogan right now is not feeling so well. Uh, they're calling for his ouster. If he's replaced, does he get somebody worse than he is? And he is the uh, president, prime minister, whatever, of Turkey. So if you move somebody that is even more hardcore into his position, then you got to wonder, okay, when does this start moving? When do we see what they're really planning? Um both the United States and Russia have an election next year. I'm going to be very interested to see if Putin runs again. I feel that if he accomplishes his goals in the Ukraine, he may not. Then we're going to find out 
who truly is the ruthless leader of the Russian Republic. Putin has been way too laid back, way too gentle compared to what he could do in the Ukrainian war. He's made a good excuse. This is what we want. We want our old territory. But I don't believe for a minute it stops there. This is the first part of what their ultimate goal is. And like I've said before, I think we're going to see the Gog-Magog war form very quickly. Um, everything is set. So I'm watching that, not just the Ukraine, because there's a war going on there. And there's going to be a major counteroffensive by Russia as soon as the land dries out. But where do they go and what do they do? If they just take small areas all the way over to Odessa, okay. If they move further, then we got to figure out, okay, so the war's coming into uh, being very shortly. How does that work? And once we see the armies moving, then we know time is very short. And we'll go into that more later. There's a lot more to go into Gog Magog than that. But it's one of the things I really watch right now because a lot of stuff going on in the Ukraine makes no sense unless there is a goal down the road. And I think probably that's exactly what's going on. Yeah, um, I, I think, boy, that was an excellent summary. And I, I completely agree with what you were just talking about. Uh, the you know the, the the battle of Gog and Magog is something that the stage in many ways is being set for you know for years has been being set for years and uh, but recently it's just like literally ripped from the pages of Scripture all of the players that are involved and the alliances that are forming but uh, I think one of the reasons that so many pundits are having trouble making sense of what's going on there remember go back way back to when the the uh, Russian invasion started in Ukraine. Everybody was like, oh, this is going to be over in one month or, you know, we, you know, there, there was all kinds of speculation and we were right there with them. I think it was, you know, honest, legitimate expectation. But, you know, here we are in, well into the second year and we're thinking, OK, what's really going on? And whenever you have situations like that where things don't add up, it just is an indication that there's something more at play, as Randy said. And I think the powers that be are working behind the scenes. And to me, that just is more indication of the setting of the stage by uh, the Luciferians. I agree. I mean, it, it is such a complex and complicated plan that, you know, some guy didn't put this together. This has been planned for thousands of years. Uh, finally, they're getting their act together, coming to fruition. And I think we're very lucky in that we get to see Bible history laid out right in front of us. Most people don't understand that, but as a lot of your um, podcasts and um, sermons have been on the UFOs and everything else, I know everybody kind of thinks sometimes, how can this stuff be? The Bible talks about it being supernatural. The Bible talks about the great deception. Stop, look at it, and just watch it all fall into place. We went over Project Gateway. Project Gateway gets to me more in your face every week. You know, we have the uh, people going into their meditation trances, wanting to escape their body. We have the uh, spirit boards. I mean, this is all to gain your brain, take over your mind, and they're doing it very well. Project Bluebeam, get rid of the family, get rid of the religion, get rid of the currency. We want a one world order. I mean, it's falling into place, just like they said it would. 
So when you talk about the UFOs, or we talked about that, what, in January, I think maybe on one or two podcasts, this stuff is sounds like science fiction. But if you watch Pastor Hickson's presentation last night, I like it in that we've got a segment from CBS, which they're part of the, the group, group thing. But it shows that they're thinking about it. It shows people that when you look at them, and if you ever get a chance to talk to some of these people, they firmly believe what they say. They didn't make this up. And when somebody is that convicted on what they believe, you know there's something behind it. And all of this stuff is falling into order, and I, I just find it amazing that we actually get to watch this. Now, I've got a bunch of questions on AI that we're going to go over in just a couple of minutes. I want to say one thing about AI. We all worry about the bias. We worry about the information that AI basically has inputted. I found out the other day that a lot of these large companies are paying people 15 bucks an hour. They don't need to have any training. Just come on in. They're using them to input this and to label the information. Now, if you don't have somebody trained that knows what they're doing, how much can you trust AI, right? I mean, it's gonna be subject to bias. It's gonna be subject to all kinds of problems. Um, now, a couple things real quick, then we'll get to the questions because I don't wanna run real late or anything, but uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be talking more about artificial intelligence. We're gonna be talking about different types of reality. So I just want you to start thinking about this stuff now, because I'm gonna be talking about a based reality, and that's a reality that is based on facts. Basically, if you look at the bulletin board and it's brown, that's a fact. When somebody goes, well, it's a rectangle or it's a square, that's perception, That is that is not a fact. So you need to understand that, we're going to talk about simulated reality, where basically there's a simulation going on. They're trying to make it as real as they possibly can. And when we get to that, you'll see that some of the things the government is doing right now is basically a simulated reality. They are trying to make you believe stuff that is not happening. Then we're going to talk about a virtual reality, and that's where it gets really interesting because you can see where AI is used and governments, businesses are basically, they're, they're taking everything that it's not true, but they want you to believe it's true and they're giving you all of the information to make it true. Now, when you stop and think about the balloons that we keep seeing coming across the country, okay, the last one's not from China, it's not a danger. Uh, we don't know where it is, we don't know what it contained, but okay, our government says it's not a danger. So again, they're getting our minds under the control they want. And um, the stories that are going to come out pretty soon are going to be wild because I think they're getting ready to expose the aliens or at least enhance what we know within the next couple of months. So all I can say is uh, get ready. If you think this is science fiction, um, what's coming is going to be a lot worse. So, now, are you ready to play Pastor Jeopardy? <laughs> Pastor Jeopardy. Uh, yes. 
<laughs> Are you going to, do I have to repeat? Do I have to ask, give my answers in the form of a question? <laughs> nope. And you don't have to have Vanna White turn the numbers and you don't have to have somebody, or, you know, we're not, it's not Wheel of Fortune. But, this is Jeffrey. But, but can I have Vanna White turn the numbers if I want her to? If she can get there in the next five seconds. Okay. Well, oh, well we'll just have to pass then. <laughs> now, I like these questions, but when I looked at them, there is no way I'm going to answer these by myself because I look at it from a different view of we've discussed before. I go from the geopolitical. I go from the military. I go from hard science. Some of this is not in my lane. So you have been you have been chosen. All right. Here's the first one. Where did the AI tech come from? From man alone? Well, so, I mean, that's a that's an interesting question. You, you know, you think ultimately Satan is working out his plan. He influences through a lot of the evil spirits that we've been talking about on Tuesday nights the last few weeks. Uh, he influences people. He can prompt and direct and influence the mind, of course. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago at Prophecy Night, how it really is a battle for the mind. So I think indirectly, we can say that very much the, Satan has his hand all over the AI uh, technology. But looking at it from a human perspective, it largely is human technology that you know technologists have been working on. The vast majority of them do not understand that they are part of a, a larger conspiracy, a satanic conspiracy. They're just uh, advancing technology, you know, in the same way that people might have worked on the the atom bomb or other nuclear technology, not realizing, you know, ultimately what the nefarious agenda behind such weapons might be. So I think it, the answer would be a a, a both. Yes, uh, you know, it's satanic and, and it's also uh, human. Okay. Now, do uh, the satanic influence that would be only for the individuals that are involved in making it, using it, et cetera? Or would the actual object be satanically or demonically indwelled, inhabited? Well, there are multiple ways, as I understand Scripture, and as I've talked about here uh, recently at Prophecy Night, for Satan to control people and to control their minds. Uh, AI is one of them, but transhumanism also involves sort of a biological component. Uh, we also know from CIA programs like Mockingbird uh, that they can control people through mental triggers, uh, psychological operations, or what the CIA calls psyops. Um, we can they can control minds through chemicals. Um, so, you know, through, uh, you know, dimensional frequencies and things like that. So it doesn't have to be just coding, uh, you know, dashes and, dats, dashes and dots on a computer server somewhere. There are multiple ways to control. So I think um, in some cases, yes, there is a demonic direct influence on, you know, the individuals, particularly human individuals, but the Types of AI that we've been talking about, like chat GPT and uh, robotics and, and the fact that today they're creating, you know, AIs that look very much like humans. I, I talk about that in Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 2 about, uh, you know, I can't believe it's not human. You know, you look at it side by side and you can't tell which one is the real human and which one is the AI. I think in those cases, we know that demons cannot possess in, in the sense of indwell and take up residence in inanimate objects um 
they can only take resident take up residence in you know biological beings. Uh, so, but we know from poltergeist and some of the other things we've talked about recently that they can certainly influence and impact and move things around. So, I think the the influence of Satan on you know the traditional AI that we've been talking about uh, that comes from coding uh, is self evident. I would not go so far as to say that it can that Satan or demons can you know actually get in and somehow take up residence within these objects. But really, it's at the end of the day, it's a distinction without a difference because either way, we're talking about demonic, satanic influence. Okay. Now, do you think that super intelligent demons are giving this technology, or do you think some of the secret societies in our world involving humans? are the source for it? Or what's your opinion? Yeah, I think it's both. Again, I think the secret societies, as I talk about in that chapter on secret societies in my book, are worshiping Satan at the at the core. It doesn't mean that every member uh, you know, realizes that, but at the top level of governance of those organizations, they are drinking blood and worshiping Satan. And so in that sense, they are getting their marching orders directly from demonic uh, forces. So yeah, I think it's... Uh, you know, definitely the satanic influence on some level, but then down the the food chain, so to speak, you've got really smart people that really know what they're doing with computers, and they are uh, providing their uh, intellect and their knowledge base and so forth to help this this emerging technology. Okay. How is the Antichrist going to know whether everyone is worshiping him or not? Since he's not omniscient, is it going to be AI or is it going to be some other type of info? Yeah, this is fascinating because, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I've you know talked about and thought about for decades, even before I woke up to the, the grand conspiracy uh, about 16 years ago. I, I love Bible prophecy. And so you read scripture and you start to speculate about how might this happen. But uh, it's clear from scripture that the Antichrist will exert full spectrum planetary control. It's also clear, however, that he and Satan, uh, neither one, are omniscient or omnipresent or omnipotent. So how would he do that? Well, early on, I would have said, and I mean, you know, many years ago, I would have said, well, through technology, through cameras, through satellites, you know, we've got, he's going to keep an eye on everybody. But even that, if we're honest, we would say, well, you can't you know, point the satellite at every nook and cranny and every mountain crevasse, you know, across the Rocky Mountains, right? But now with AI, I think it's becoming more clear how he might do that. Uh, we talk about in Revelation, the image of the beast. Well, I think those are most likely, based on today's technology, AIs, that you've got one Antichrist, the actual human being, which I believe Satan will indwell. But then you've got all these AI lookalikes that have the technology to see things and report back through, you know, Wi-Fi type technology, satellite technology to central headquarters in Babylon. And in that sense, they they put those throughout the world and they can track people. Uh, and of course, there's always the purely spiritual uh, unseen realm, the demonic realm, where Satan can send out his demons, like I believe was what happened in 1947, uh, on reconnaissance missions, and they can report back, and we might not even see those. But I think AI, my best guess is, will absolutely play a key role, and let's just say technology in general, 
uh, will play a key role in the control grid that's rolled out during the tribulation. And and it could be before that. Let's not forget, that's one of my whole, the whole premise really behind these books is, look, we don't know when the rapture is going to happen. And these things are being rolled out rapidly. If the Lord tarries is coming, we could very much be in this quote unquote full spectrum planetary control grid before the rapture. And that's what Christians need to be awake to uh, and pay attention to. Okay. Now, do you think just demonic forces are going to be controlling all of that, working with it, or will they use some of us bug eating humans also under their influence? Oh, I think they definitely will use <clears throat> the useless eaters. Uh, Noval, uh, you know, Yuval Noah Harari has, has explicitly said that, that most of us are useless. Uh, technology can handle most of it, but there will be some human beings needed for data collection. So I think they will, uh, they will definitely, you know, use uh, the masses, um, you know, directly as part of their evil scheme. We've already seen that in a subtle way, at least subtle compared to how it's going to play out in the tribulation, at least if we understand the scriptures. Um, but we saw it in a subtle way with the pandemic. They uh, instituted what I called franchised tyranny, where they got the churches to squeal on its members, the restaurant managers to squeal on its customers, the bosses to squeal on their employees. And they had just regular old human beings uh, blowing the whistle on people that weren't wearing a mask or people that were not social distancing or people that were not following these mandates. And so Absolutely. I think that will be magnified even more so during the tribulation. Okay. And the demonic part of it, will they inhabit it, attach to it, or how will they control the beast system? Well, it depends what you mean by it. Uh, you know, again, they can only indwell, be you know, possess, let's say, human beings, at least according to the biblical data. We don't have any indication in Scripture that an, an, an a demon directly takes up residence of a table or a chair, but we certainly have examples of them uh, taking up residence in animals or in human beings. Uh, so, but the influence of these evil spirits uh, globally. Uh, at you know every level and in every place, both in the the realm here on Earth of materialism, also in the atmosphere. Uh, you know, you you walk into certain places or you drive around as we've done in our research uh, coast to coast, uh, and you certain you drive into certain areas and you just sense an evil presence. Um, places like Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, and and you just you know that there's something going on even though you can't see it or put your finger on it. So I think that if you talk about the beast system in general, the antichrist system, it's going to be demonic to its core. It's it's a satanic system. So every aspect of it, I think, will be touched in some way by demonic activity. All right. Well, you just answered 103 emails. Alex, <laughs> Alex Trebek would be proud. And this is why I stay in my lane. Yeah. Because you very succinctly answered those questions. Nice, short, understandable answers. And I would have fumbled with it for an hour. So well, you, I, you know, and, and I, of course, as always, encourage folks to do their own research. I don't have, I'm not infallible. I don't have perfect knowledge on everything. I'm just giving you my studied opinions. But it is funny, Randy. Sometimes I'll do the same thing. I get emails and I'll just say, hey, 
I'm going to be addressing that, you know, tomorrow on a podcast to tune in just to save time from having to write the lengthy email. Or often I'll say, especially after 35 years, people send me questions and either me or Brooke will respond and say, hey, you know, I've addressed this in such and such a message or such and such an article. Uh, check it out with a you know, with a link so that I don't have to just keep answering the same questions over and over again. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should make this a regular part of our uh, weekly world events update. It's just an opportunity to answer some listeners' uh, emails. Uh, and, yeah, it'll save both of us time on uh, responding to emails. Well, the nice thing is those questions have been answered. They can tag this podcast or podcast. And if they ever have questions, they can go right back to it. Yeah. And I mean, that should pretty much take care of all those questions. We should, uh, the people that asked them, this is why I waited. This is why I didn't respond to the email because I'm not an authority on this stuff. So I think you took care of exactly what they needed. Well, so awesome. It. Yeah, no, my pleasure. And always a pleasure to have you on, Randy. Uh, let me wrap up by reminding people uh, to check out the video from last night on UFOs. Uh, I think it's a, a really solid, succinct summary of what I believe uh, the biblical interpretation of what's happening all around us about uh, UFOs is. also want to mention, and I want to try to remember to do this for the next week, that there will be no Prophecy Night next week on May uh, the uh, 16th. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be headed to Oklahoma City uh, to do some interviews with Prophecy Watchers in studio. And uh, so we're just going to take a week off from Prophecy Night, give you a chance to kind of really cogitate on all of this UFO stuff and spread the news about that. Uh, also, want to encourage you to check out my latest article. I mentioned this at the outset on uh, the, the Friends Through Thick and Thin. Uh, I just wrote that uh, a couple of days ago, Monday, and uh, just an encouraging uh, reminder about uh, the importance of uh, biblical friendship, especially in times like these. Um, we appreciate and, and need your continued support. Thank you so much for your prayers. You have no idea how much it means to get those quick uh, emails that just say, hey, praying for you, or hey, thanks for such and such. Uh, it really keeps us going. Obviously, well, we do what we do to help advance the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. That's what it's all about. Um, I articulated the gospel earlier today uh, in our opening when I was in Proverbs chapter 10. But, uh, you know, don't assume that, you know, we uh, get tons of encouragement. We get a lot, but we could always use more. So thank you for that. Keep us in your prayers. You know, these are troubling times and Satan is alive and well. I was talking to someone yesterday about how the metaphor of a roaring lion is used both of uh, Jesus and of Satan. Uh, and it, it, it implies power, the power of this the lion, this ferocious animal. But Peter says that our enemy, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So never underestimate the enemy for sure. Um, but yeah, lots, uh, lots going on. Uh, at Not By Works Ministries. Uh, we want to remind you about the upcoming Tulsa conference. If you have not signed up yet, uh, you can go to our website, click on the events tab, and that'll link you up to the Mid-America Prophecy Conference, which is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, May 26th and 27th. So the countdown is on just 16 days away. Uh, not too late to register. It's held at the Marriott Tulsa in, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll be speaking. Andy Woods is speaking. Tommy Ice is speaking. Um, Joe Martin and several others. And so really looking forward to that. I'm going to be speaking 
twice. And my topics, if you're interested, just to kind of put that out there, uh, I'm going to be speaking on Friday at the conference on the Great Satanic Reset, A New World and an Old Enemy. And then on Saturday, I'm speaking on transhumanism, creating God in the image of man. So two new presentations, a lot of the same stuff that I've talked about before, for example, in Orlando and other uh, outlets, but uh, kind of repackaging it based on those two titles and those two themes. So again, check that out at notbyworks.org. Randy, any closing thoughts? Have a great week. Keep looking up and hopefully we'll still have one next week. And tell Grayson uh, hello for us all. I wish you guys could see this adorable puppy, a little dachshund. uh, And uh, yeah, we love Grayson, but we love you more, Randy. Just want you to know that. So (laughs) thanks for that. (laughs) All right. God bless everyone. Have a great rest of the week and we'll see you next time.